Good morning. Glad you're here. It's our first service of the new year, 2016. Commend you for breaking out of holiday mode if you were in it, extended and uh, coming this morning. Um, it has been quite a break for me and uh, really enjoyed. Cindy and I went to Turlock, which is in the middle of the state, to visit her mother. She's 91. 91, is that right? 91. I'm, I'm getting old, so I lose track of stuff. But uh, she's, she seems to be doing well. We had a great trip up there with the family, and now we're back. And tomorrow, we hit the go button for most of us, right? If I said that looking at the mother of young children, thinking... <laughs> Go button never stops for them. <laughs> but anyway, for some of us anyway, we, we start tomorrow. It all cranks up again. We have a whole year ahead of us. We've got plans, goals, resolutions, questions that we need to answer. There's a lot we're anticipating. Lots going on. And if you've turned the page a few times of one year to the next then you have a mixture of hope, hey, we get to start all over again, and apprehension. For me, I know I've slacked off on more than a few resolutions. A couple of years, I don't know why I did this, but a couple of years I resolved to run every day. I hate running. I only used to run for football and basketball and baseball practice when the coach forced me to do it. I hate running. So, you know, two, three days, I'm done. It's over. That was a good two, three days. But that doesn't really help, does it? I've punted my resolutions more than a few times. Uh, You may have set goals that you haven't met in the past. Questions go unanswered, and they just keep moving on. Jesus steps into this scenario and gives some tremendous perspective and some very practical help that brings hope as we look at the year ahead. We're not quite sure how it's going to go, but we have hopes, we have dreams, we have anticipations of things going really well. So we're going to look at what Jesus says about dealing with fret. I like like the picture. It's got the little reset button on his brain. That's really where, where it starts. If we're going to deal with fret effectively... We've got to think the right way about life, and Jesus is going to show us how to do that. Here's a definition of fret from a dictionary. It means to be constantly or visibly worried or anxious. She fretted about the cost of groceries. There's synonyms, uh, worry, be anxious, feel uneasy, be distressed, be upset, upset oneself, concern oneself. And more. Second definition is to gradually, it's a gradually wearing away by a rubbing or gnawing. So you, you say the, the, the bays, black waves, fret the seafront. They, they wear it away. They keep slamming against it. They keep slamming against it. They wear it away. This is actually tied to what happens to us when we fret, when we worry, it eats us up inside. 
It can tear us up in there. And then the noun is a state of anxiety or worry. Jesus gave a masterful sermon in Matthew 5, uh, 1 through 7. It, it, that's where it's recorded. But it's likely the most famous sermon he ever gave. And at this stage in his ministry, crowds were beginning, beginning to follow him. They were beginning to gather and so what he did is he goes up on a mountainside and his disciples following up, follow him up there. So his followers follow him up the mountainside. He turns to them and they're, they're there and he lays out what it really means to follow him. He, he, he lays out some character traits, the values, the perspective of a Christ follower. And there is a tremendous amount of help in this sermon For what we're talking about today, dealing with fret, not giving in to fret. If you don't follow Christ yet, uh, the message would give you a picture of what it's like to follow him and a glimpse of his teaching and the wisdom that he he has in his in his teaching. And what is called the Sermon on the Mount, because he went up on a mountainside and delivered it to his disciples. Jesus gives several good reasons not to fret. First of all, life's too important to waste with worry. This, this is his first point. Matthew 6:25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? This is great for me today because I'm just going to let Jesus teach. I'm just going to let him do the sermon this morning and make comments as I go along. Because he makes impeccable statements that really are a help to us. The way it is, I have to fight not to waste my time and life on worry. I, I don't know about you, it's a fight for me. Thoughts and emotions create worry and I begin to fret about the future. I begin to fret about something that I have to do today. I begin to fret about a relationship, what's going on there, if it, what I need to do to make it right. Thoughts and emotions create this worry, and I begin to fret about the future. It's important to stop the thoughts and emotions before they take us down a trail that's completely unproductive, a trail of worry. When we fret, we run scenarios that take us down counterproductive trails of thought. To effectively deal with fret, we need to redirect our thoughts before they go down these trails. Here's a picture of a trailhead. There's two trails here. You can see the one goes to the left. It looks like it's a little more worn. Then the other one, not quite as traveled, but it goes off to the right. And what happens in our minds is we, we have these trails that are worn. Things happen. Something occurs and we, we experience an emotion of worry and then our thoughts take us down a trail. And what we need to do at the trailhead, when fret strikes our thought and emotions, we need to choose the right trail. Or most of the time, when you're, especially when you're first starting to follow Christ or even after you've been following him a long time, you have to you have to create a new trail. 
you have to choose a new path entirely, and you, you need to learn how to make it the way that your mind goes. You have to keep choosing the direction your mind will go as worry and fret strikes you. You, you have to do this. this. We have a choice in this. We sometimes don't think we do, but we have a choice. And this often means in creating an entirely new way of thinking based on God's truth. That's what Jesus is trying to help us with here. He's trying to give us perspective. First perspective is don't waste your life on worry. We can choose to direct our thoughts down the right path in two ways. First of all, through prayer. And we're going to look at both of these a little bit more in detail later in the message. But first of all, through prayer. Secondly, by fixing our thoughts on God's promises, the truth that he's laid out in his word, in scripture. Jesus gives us a doozy of a promise later on in this passage we're looking at today that we can really hang on to. But that's what we do. We're at the trailhead. There's a couple ways we could go. There's a couple ways we normally go. And we have to direct our mind probably to a completely new way of thinking. We have to create a new path. We have to choose a new direction. We do that by praying and by fixing our thoughts on God's truth. You know, much of what we worry about never happens. Or it won't affect the quality of our life. Clothing, food, and drink, we're going to see. Jesus says, hey, why are we worrying about this? Don't be anxious about these things. Don't don't worry about it. Nothing to fuss about here. (laughs) There's nothing. But we constantly battle against this discontent with the food we eat, kind of bland. It may be the best food for us, but we want something else. We fuss about our clothing. We get concerned about uh, shopping and finding just the right outfit. We, we fuss about these things. We constantly bat it. Advertisers spend, advertisers spend a lot of money trying to create this discontent. Pictures of perfect cars in the ads go by, and, you know, you think about the dings that you have on yours or the time you ran over one of those pylons in the middle where you're not supposed to turn left before that pylon, and it left a mark along... Okay, sorry. I got, I got a little carried away there thinking about the side of my car. <laughs> that was a moment. I was actually on the phone, and it, I, wasn't, I, did, I wasn't holding the phone. I was obeying the law, but the phone was over a speaker, and I... So anyway, I have dings. My car is not perfect. Show me a perfect car or a car that really looks good or goes fast, and hmm, I want it. So I start worrying, hey, how am I going to get that? What's, what's, how's this going to work out? What can I do to make this happen? This is, this is what we do. This is what Jesus talked about. Don't, don't worry about these things. This, this isn't what life is made up of, really. This isn't the core of what's going on here. Life is too important to give in to fret. Secondly... Jesus says we are most valuable to God. It's a great reason not to fret. Because we are most valuable to God. Jesus peels back the curtain next and he shows us how God feels about us. 
He compares the value of human beings to two separate things in creation. He's pointing out that in all of creation, human beings are most valuable. Look at the birds, he says in verse 26. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? First comparison, person's value to the value of a bird, a common swallow, a common sparrow. One of the most expensive pet birds in the world is the hyacinth macaw. Here, here's a picture of that bird, $11,000 for that one. I'll never be purchasing one of these if I could find them. But people, Jesus is trying to make the point, people are priceless to God. And if he's going to care for a small bird, there are thousands of birds that God makes sure they have food. How much more is he going to care for you? Simple logic, if God is feeding and taking care of them, he will take care of us. Humans are the most valuable creatures on the planet. God's given people the number one spot in all of creation. There's a tremendous amount of value and dignity in being a human being, in, in being a person that God has made. He, he made us, gave us nobility and dignity because we reflect the image of God. He also shows our worth by dying for us on the cross in the person of Jesus Christ. When we, when we walked away from him, when we rebelled against him, Jesus stepped into history and took the punishment for our sin. Jesus is saying, since the Father did these things, you can trust him to meet your needs. A second comparison And why do you worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, and yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So here's comparison number two. If God cares so much, about wildflowers to clothe, to clothe them in the beauty that he does. Something that only lasts for a few days. How much more will he care for the people who last forever? So there's a picture. This is a, the valley of Piao. We were just in Thailand. And, and you can see God adds splashes of color on the landscape in ways that no one else can. But there's some wildflowers. God, if God's going to take care of them, if he's going to sprout them up just to, to add beauty, how much more is he going to take care of us? Thad and I uh, went on a trip. It was right before he went to high school, my son Thad, who was just up here, actually. Um, he, we, I don't think I've ever told this story. Maybe I have since, since he's been back in the area here, but Thad and I went on a trip before high school uh, to um, Northern California, and we were going to go to Pac Bell. We were both into baseball, really into baseball, and we were going to go to Pac Bell Stadium at the time. Now it's AT&T Ballpark. You know, the ownership's changed, and so we were going to go to Pac Bell, and 
we were leaving Chico. We had visited some friends in Chico, and we were coming back to San Francisco, and we had been told that the tickets, they had 500 seats that were for sale every day at Pac Bell at the time uh, for just general admission. People could show up and buy them that day. We were told they went on sale at 4 o'clock. Well, I called on our way there. We'd been salmon fishing in the morning. It was just like, hey, why not cram in everything we can do? So we got up at 4 or 5 in the morning, went salmon fishing. That didn't go well. And of course, <laughs> I was fishing. Um, but anyway, we're, we're on our way to the stadium, not smelling that great, really needing to go to the hotel and change. And we called just to make sure, hey, is it 4 o'clock when they start selling the tickets so that we can buy some tickets and go to the game? Oh, no, it's 2 o'clock. And so immediately we're like, Oh, no, this is the whole point of the trip. We wanted to go to the stadium. Well, actually, the whole point of the trip was so Thad and I could get some time to talk about manhood. <laughs> as, he ta- as he went into high school, you know, hey, this is what it takes to be a man, all that kind of stuff. But, so, but this is something we really want to do. This is why we went north, is to do this. And so immediately in my, in, in my insides, I'm just like... It's going to happen. And Thad goes, Dad, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. And he kept saying, it's not going to work. You know, you blew it. And I did. I don't, I don't remember if he said he blew it. He didn't have to say that. I felt like I did. And so I'm like, well, Thad, the only thing I can think to do is pray. So we prayed and I, I just said, God, if there's any way that we can get some tickets to this game, then that'd be fantastic. If we get there in time, I don't know how. So we go, we check into the hotel, and we're sprinting to the stadium. We get in line, and we're so far back in line that everybody around us is thinking and actually saying, hey, do you, do you think we're going to get tickets? I don't, I don't know. You know. Nobody went up and started counting to see if we were in the first 500, but we were far enough back, it was question mark. And so we're waiting in line and, you know, praying, thinking, and uh, all of a sudden a man comes by. There had been several guys coming by that offered tickets, and I knew they were scalpers. That was illegal. wasn't going to do that. But a man came by, an older man. He said, hey, do you, you want to go to the game? I said, yeah, that's okay. No, no, you know, I don't, I don't want to buy the tickets or whatever. And he said, no, um, these are my season tickets. I want to give them to a father and his son so they can go to the game. And I said, I'm going to take those tickets. Walked in. <laughs> it, did, it didn't take a lot of thought. I thanked him profusely. And we walked into the game. We were there in time to watch batting practice and really enjoy the time together there. Now, God, I didn't, we didn't need those tickets, but it was, it was God showing his love to a dad and his son. God responds when we trust him. And Jesus is telling us, if he cares for the wildflowers, if he cares enough to 
clothe them in beauty. How much more does he care for you? You may have stories like that where you've seen God come through over and over and over again. We need to remember that. We need to remember that God loves us and he cares for us and he meets our needs. This is what Jesus is saying. Jesus shows us that we're most valuable to God by comparing us with the birds to show us that God will provide the wildflowers to show that we'll have clothing and more. Then he brings it home. So, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Jesus is teaching us to stop worrying because God is a loving Father whom we can trust. Don't let your mind go down that path that unproductive, counterproductive, damaging path of worry, worry, worry. Choose to trust him. If we aren't going to give in to fret, we have to live by faith. We have to trust him. We'll look at some very practical ways to choose faith in a few moments. A third reason not to fret. Worry doesn't change anything except your well-being. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Worry doesn't accomplish anything except damage. For instance, if you worry that you'll die before your time, worry isn't going to add one nanosecond to your life. If you worry about being short and want to be taller, it's not going to add a fraction of an inch to your height. It is completely unproductive and turns out to be counterproductive. Worry makes no positive contribution to our lives. In fact, worry causes a great deal of damage. It literally eats us up inside. And if we don't deal with it effectively, we begin to crumble. My daughter, Lindsay, has a an antique bed. It's a beautiful bed. It was given to me by my neighbor. We grew up, I grew up next to them and they were an older couple, didn't have children. They sort of adopted me. Their last name was Randall. My first name's Randall. They thought that was cool. So I benefited by the choice of the name that my parents gave me. But anyway, uh, she, she gave me an antique bed. It's bird's eye maple. It's the only one like it I've ever seen. It's an amazing bed. But one time we were moving it and it has these these rails that you you kind of pull out of it and it breaks apart and then there's all these little pieces to the bed. And I reached down to pull one of the rails out and it's made of wood, bird's eye maple. Looked totally fine on the outside. It crumbled in my hands because it had been eaten out by termites. The insides looked fine on the outside, looked perfect. But when I reached down, it it broke apart because it had been eaten from the inside out. This is what happens with worry. It tears us up from the inside. 
In the same way, worry eats us up and causes trouble. Our health, high blood pressure, other heart problems, lack of sleep, addictions, depression. The damage spills into our families. Marriages and relationships with children are strained. We have trouble functioning. When worry eats away at us, it's, it's very difficult to focus on the work that's right in front of us because we've got it gnawing at our brain and we can't focus. So one of the reasons Jesus gives us for not fretting is it doesn't accomplish anything and actually creates a lot of damage. Final reason is Worry steals our focus from today. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Unpredictability is a part of life. We don't know how it's going to go. We can't know how everything's going to turn out. It's part of what creates the worry. And God's guidance works, works more like having a flashlight to lead you as you walk down the path than it is like a set of headlights that show you far down the road. You just see a couple steps, generally. He, he gives you enough for that day. He gives you enough for doing what you need to do right now. He'll meet every need that way. Tomorrow is going to be better if you handle today's assignments faithfully in faith. One day builds on another. This is how it is. And worry steals the focus from today so that you can't be productive. Handling today's trouble well is a building block for a good tomorrow. Worry about tomorrow steals the focus from today's problem that you need to handle right now. Because if not, they're going to spill over into tomorrow and things begin to steamroll. You build for the future by being faithful right now. So here's some perspectives, great perspective that Jesus gives us on dealing with worry. But he doesn't stop with just perspective. He gives some very practical ways to deal with fret. So Jesus goes on and shows us how to deal with fret. First, reset your brain to treasure the right things. Matthew 6, 19 through 23, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves steal, break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If the things you treasure most are money, material things, status, you're living for things that won't last. Poof. They will go away. There are two things on earth that are eternal. People and the word of God. Two things that we have here. People and God's word. If we invest in those, we're building for eternity. Those things won't be, those things really count before God. And as we invest in those things, he brings fulfillment that doesn't shake us. So we have to stay focused on what really matters. Jesus goes on to say, and <clears throat> for a while I was confused as why he started talking about the eye here. But he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. 
if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus mentions poor eyesight because he's showing us the importance of the way we look at life and our circumstances and the things that are going on. We all look through a certain lens. If we have a distorted view of what matters in a given situation, our perspective is off and we go down the wrong trail. Our mind just runs in the wrong direction. If we have the wrong perspective, treasure the wrong things, we'll go down the wrong path. Second, make the Lord your master. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either we hate the one and love the other, or he'd be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Trying to control things beyond our control brings fret. Trusting God brings peace. Wrapping your heart around money or things generates a lot of worry. When God's our master, we can leave the outcomes to him and concentrate on pleasing him. But when we take responsibility and begin to try to control things that only God can control, then there's no grace to deal with that because we've stepped out of our stewardship, our responsibility, and taken on God's responsibility. Well, only God can handle his role, his responsibility. So Jesus says, give the Lord control and make him your master. And for me, I have to keep giving over things to God. Worry starts up, fret starts up, and I start running the scenarios. Oh, oh, stop. God, you're in control here. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just leave it to you. I'm gonna do what I can right now. I'm gonna focus on that and I'm gonna leave the outcome to you. The third way to deal with fret is seek after the right things. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The clothing, the food, the drink, the other things. But but our focus is to be the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is what Christ followers do. Here's the promise here. If I focus on living by God's priorities, and if I focus on accomplishing his purpose with my life, he's going to meet my needs. I need to tell myself this truth and hang on to it when I begin to fret. Sometimes struggle, trouble strikes and it's, out of our control. Things feel out of control. We get overwhelmed. But in the middle of the trouble, I can focus on God's purpose and priorities. If I'm dealing with conflict, there's chaos. I, I don't know how it's going to end up, how it's going to turn out. I can't control my family, my friends, my coworkers, their response to me. But I can choose in that moment to focus on God's way, His righteousness. God, what do you want here? How, how should I respond? How do, how do I do what's right before you? That, that's what I can control. I can't control the other people. I can't control the outcome of the conflict. There's peace in focusing on righteousness. I may not become the richest person in the United States, but I can do what God 
wants me to do with the resources I have. I can invest my resources in the kingdom. I can do right in handling them. When fret is threatening to lead me down a trail of unproductivity and damage, I redirect my focus to God and his righteousness and what he wants. Father, help me to do your will and accomplish your goals. And I hang on to that promise. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. I trust him. I trust him to provide as I do what he's put me here on earth to do. I also then constantly pray that God has his way. Jesus brings us all together. I'm going to wrap up the message this morning with this. He brings us all together in his pattern for prayer. He gives a pattern in this sermon for prayer. It's known as the Lord's Prayer. And he tells his disciples, his followers, to pray something like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And it goes on. Ask for protection from temptation, protection from evil, and on and on. But, but right here, he brings everything we've been talking about together. You start your prayer by focusing on who God is. Father, I, you care about me more than I can imagine. I shouldn't worry about food. The birds have food or clothes. The wildflowers are clothed in beauty. Help me to focus on doing your will right now. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Help me to focus on what, what you put me here to do right now. And would you provide? I know I can trust you to do that. Jesus says the core reason not to worry is we have a father who loves us deeply. He cares about us. God cares. We can take our worries to him in prayer and trust him to provide what's needed in the moment. If you would, please take out your connection card as I wrap up the message here. There's some suggestions on the back of the connection card and on the bottom of your listening guide for next steps that you could take. In a moment, we're going to receive the offering. If you take time to finish completing any information on that connection card or next steps, then that would be great. And when the offering ushers come around, you can drop that card in the offering. Here, here are some suggestions. As I've been speaking, there may be one thing coming up in the next week, the next month, this year, that you've been worried about. The first step you could take is to take that number one worry to God in prayer every day this week. And, hey, you might want to just keep rolling on. I have a list of things I pray about every day. You might want to add that one to the list and just pray until God responds, till he gives an answer. Yes, no, maybe wait. But pray. While you're waiting, keep praying to God. A second step, for the first time, I'm deciding to accept Christ as my Savior and follow him as Lord. Maybe you're ready to give the Lord control. Make him your master. If not, and you're, you have questions, we'd love to help with that. The third step would be to attend the Beyond the Balancing Act workshop. Uh, much stress, worry, fret comes from handling time. I'm not quite sure if I'm going to have the time to do everything. We really want to be a help by giving some perspective and some practical principles for
handling life and the flow of it in a way that allows us really to blend in all the right things. So those are some steps you could take. Would you pray with me before we continue on? Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving the guidance that you've given here and the perspective and the practical help. I pray that God, as you've spoken to us, that you'd help us to take steps to obey, that we might bring honor and glory to you and to your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen.